Last month, we explored the different ethical considerations that come into play during the data collection stage of research. Today, we want to talk about what comes afterwards. After the paper is written, before it is published, we're diverting a bit from medical ethics because today, we want to talk about giving credit where credit is due. Welcome to Operation Accurate Accreditation, the second episode of Operation Doctor, presented to you by the NPSI Med Club. My name is Ishita and I'm here with Samridhi and Navya. Together, we formed the academics team of this club and we're super excited to bring this podcast to you. The International Committee of Medical Journal Editors, ICMJE, provides a definition of authorship that is applicable beyond the medical sector. The ICMJE authorship criteria states that authorship credit should be based on 1. Substantial contributions to conception and design or acquisition of data or analysis and interpretation of data. 2. Drafting the article or revising it critically for important intellectual content. And 3. Approval of the version to be published. Before we get down to the nitty-gritty details behind crediting, we should know exactly how researchers can be credited for their work. In the standard scientific paper, credit is explicitly acknowledged in three places. In the list of authors, in the acknowledgments of contributions from others, and in the list of references or citations. Conflict over proper attribution can arise in any of these places. The first author in the list of authors on a research paper with multiple authors is not necessarily the one who has done the greatest amount of research work. It's generally the one who has done the majority of the writing. On a paper with multiple authors, by convention, the senior's name comes last. This is usually the case since it is a custom to add the senior from a department to each paper. Regardless of how much or how little work the senior did, the senior may choose to step down and give credit to the junior researchers. This shows us that the list of names on a paper does not indicate the level of contribution to an accurate degree. However, it's not uncommon to see researchers who are not given any credit at all, regardless of their contributions. People whose names aren't even written on these lists in the first place. This could be due to unforeseen circumstances such as researchers' death before the paper is published or social circumstances such as sexism and racism. In honor of Women's History Month, today, we'd like to look closely at the circumstances that contribute to improper crediting through the lives of three women who went through exactly this. A quick disclaimer, we are not in any way trying to make it seem like this is a problem that only female researchers face. We just feel that it's important to acknowledge the extra barrier that gender often adds, especially in male-dominated fields like scientific research. Have any of you heard of the Matilda effect? This is one perspective which could really explain the silent role of sexism in the disparity that female researchers often face when it comes to accreditation. The term, Matilda Effect, was coined by Margaret Rossiter and Matilda Jocelyn Gage from Cornell University, and it describes the bias against acknowledging the work of female scientists, work that is often credited to men instead. The Matilda Effect is most popularly explored by the famous example of the chemist, Rosalind Franklin. Rosalind Franklin died without any recognition for her vital work in the discovery of DNA structure. She took a photograph of the way that a strand of DNA scatters an X-ray beam. That pattern revealed important information about the structure and composition of DNA that numerous researchers were racing to uncover. The photograph was then leaked to another scientist, James Watson, and his research partner, Francis Crick, who used it to develop a model of the chemical structure of DNA. They then published their work at the same time Franklin published hers. 
Yet, the Nobel Prize in Physiology and Medicine was awarded to Watson and Crick for discovering the spiraling ladder structure of DNA and its role in understanding heredity. Franklin, whose lab produced the photograph that helped unravel the mystery of DNA, received no credit for her role until after her death. On July 25, 1978, Louise Joy Brown was born. She was the world's first baby to be conceived via in vitro fertilization. Jean Purdy was one of the three scientists whose groundbreaking work led to this miraculous birth, but her significant contributions were forgotten as the two other researchers, Professor Sir Robert Edwards and the surgeon Patrick Steptoe, received all of the acclaim. In later years, Professor Edwards protested countless times against the exclusion of Jean Purdy's name in discussions about their work. He stated, and I quote, I feel strongly about the inclusion of the names of the people who helped with the conception of Louise Brown. I feel this especially about Jean Purdy, who travelled to Aldem with me for 10 years and contributed as much as I did to this project. Indeed, I regard her as an equal contributor to Patrick Steptoe and myself. When Jean Purdy was interviewed regarding her beliefs as to why she wasn't praised for her achievements and whether sexism had something to do with that, she responded, I think it was probably one of the factors and the fact that nurses weren't seen as important as doctors and scientists. The last female researcher we'll be talking about in our podcast today might be rather unfamiliar to you all. This woman made a groundbreaking discovery but wasn't credited for it at all. It was only after almost 90 years that she was given some acknowledgement on the basis of her research and discovery. Alice Augusta Ball was an African-American chemist who developed an injectable oil extract that was the most effective treatment for leprosy until the 1940s. She was the first woman and the first African-American to receive a master's degree from the University of Hawaii. She was also their first female chemistry professor. Back then, whenever a patient was diagnosed with leprosy, they were arrested and sent to the Hawaiian island of Molokai. There, they were treated with Cholmugra oil, which is an oil that had been used by ancient Indian and Chinese civilizations for the treatment of leprosy for a long time. Dr. Harry T. Hallman, the main doctor in Hawaii at the time, was not satisfied with the inconsistent results of the Cholmugra oil in its natural form and required some assistance to help develop a method to isolate the active chemical compounds in the oil. To do so, he reached out to Alice Ball, who was working on her thesis on a similar topic. At just the young age of 23, Alice Ball developed a technique that would allow the oil from Cholmugra tree seeds to be injected into and absorbed by the human body. Her technique was known as the Ball Method, and the treatment quickly became the only treatment for leprosy that was effective. Unfortunately, due to her sudden death, Alice was unable to publish her astounding findings. Arthur L. Dean, a chemist and the president of the University of Hawaii, continued her work. He published the findings without giving any credit to Ball and even renamed the technique the Dean Method. Ball was never recognized, not even by the University of Hawaii. It took them 90 years when finally, in 2000, the university honored Ball by dedicating a plaque to her on the school's lone Chalmugra tree behind Parkman Hall. They even dedicated February 29th as Alice Ball Day, which is now celebrated every leap year. In March 2016, Hawaii Magazine ranked Ball in a list of the most influential women in Hawaiian history, 
but she unfortunately did not live long enough to be proud of her incredible life-saving achievements. If we're being honest, there are no direct rules when it comes to the methodology of crediting researchers. They're murky waters and different people will feel differently about who should get the bulk of a claim. However, we believe that be it a man or a woman, if the researcher has managed to bring something new, something unique to the scientific field, they should be credited for their work. Bias on the basis of gender, race, age, etc. should be kept aside and should not prevent one from being acknowledged for their work. Think about this for a second. Without Franklin's photo, Watson and Crick would have never found what they did. Jean Purdy's contribution was just as important to the conception of the world's first test tube baby. Even her male colleagues acknowledged this. Alice Ball was able to cure thousands of people of leprosy. It's not that the men in these scenarios didn't add contributions. Of course they did. And the argument that we're making is not that they shouldn't have been given any credit. The point is that women were deliberately, maliciously left out. And that's not okay. What do you think about all of this? Do you think it makes sense that after all, since Watson and Crick are the ones who figured the real structure of DNA out, that they are the only ones who deserve credit, regardless of the fact that the photo they used was Franklin's? Let us know on our Instagram account at the NPSI Med Club. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Operation Doctor by the NPSI Med Club. I'm Navya and I'm signing off today on behalf of Ishita, Samridhi and our entire club.